0: we take nominations for call of the week Steve Bennett thank you very much for, for alerting us to that that was a great call that was a great hometown call like you said
1: yeah a lot of you may know Steve he has a sportscaster pod been dealing with some medical uh, issues recently so our best wishes to him he's as tough as they come as he told me uh, just another battle he's going to win so uh, best wishes to him and we do appreciate Jack Michaels I went to college Jack
2: Sportscasters podcast after almost seven months of battling and fighting and doing the best I could to get better. We are back. Steve Bennett, Paula Bennett here with me. An exciting day for her, not just for me finally coming back, but Paula, tell everyone the news of the day.
1: I lost my fur tooth.
2: Paula lost her first tooth on the day of the return of the sportscasters. It's a great day today. Good guests to welcome us back. Andrew Marchand from the New York Post and John Arand from the Sports Business Journal have a podcast every Wednesday. And that clip that played at the very beginning was from their podcast. Thanks to them for that shout out. And they are going to join us together. Uh, to talk about the podcast, how it came together, how it is working together, why Marshawn is the heel and Arand is the baby face. Uh, I recorded this about a week and a half ago or so, um, and I've been meaning to put this podcast up, but it's been difficult for me. Um, dealing with some confidence issues, nervous to put myself back out there again after eight months away. Can I still do this? Can I still Cruel. entertain people? What,
1: Paula? <laughs> I just do it right into the mic.
2: Okay, thank you for interrupting that thought. Uh, but Auran and Marshant will kick us off. And then after the book club, we have three pieces of business there. After the book club, Aaron Schatz from Football Outsiders will join us to talk about the Pro Football Almanac. And then we'll close the show with one last thing. Uh, where I will tell you about the last seven months, what I've been through, uh, what has happened, uh, what went well, what went bad. I'll tell you the whole story, uh, and that'll be it for today. Uh, But that's not it for long. I have a busy uh, schedule of podcasts uh, that will go through to the fall, okay? And I want to tell you about some guests that are coming up. We have Sean McDonough is going to be on the show, Jeff Passan, Is going to join us. Scott Morrison, the author of the book 1972, is going to join us. Joe Buck, the first week of August. Stuart Mandel will join us. And then we will spend most of the SL Price also. And we will spend most of August previewing uh, college football, the NFL, fantasy football, all that fun stuff we do every August. But that's the list of guests that are booked for the return. Uh, A nice little lineup there. Paul, what's up, baby?
1: Uh,. My toy wrestlers want to talk, and I have my first cheerleading today practice.
2: Yeah, not only did Paul lose her first tooth, uh, but she's got her first cheerleading practice today. And LJN, and Andre the Giant, apparently has something he'd like to say. What would you like to say? Hulk Hogan and... Oh, Hulk and Macho Man. All right, quickly, <laughs> what would they like to say? Would they like to welcome us, the sportscasters, back to the air?
1: Welcome.
2: <laughs> okay, that's Andre. Hulk?
1: Listen to the 24-inch podcast.
2: Yes, the 24-inch podcast will be back soon as well with Hollywood Dave Rollins. That will be rolling soon. And Macho Man.
1: Where's my packet?
3: Oh, yeah.
2: (laughs) All right. (laughs) Thank you from the LJNs. So there's a lot to do today. Two interviews, a book club update. I'm going to update everyone about the last seven months and one last thing. Uh, I laid out the... (laughs) Andre and and Macho Man are jealous and have their own podcast Uh, I laid out the schedule coming up I got some interviews today actually Sean McDonough and I will record today Uh, so that will be on the next episode next episode will be Sean McDonough and Scott Morrison I'll tell you about who Scott is and what his book is in the book club alright that's all listen it feels great to be back I appreciate everyone who tuned in uh, to the first sportscasters Paula says yes for no real reason.
1: <laughs>
2: Paul, what have you been doing the last seven months?
1: Sleepovers. Yeah. Lots of
2: sleepovers. Yeah. Um, Did you take care of dad?
1: Yes, we've been.
2: You're the mini nurse? Yeah. Whoa, no need to scream. Why are you screaming at the people?
1: I'm not screaming.
2: Yeah, you were screaming. <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: They're going to turn their radios off if that girl's screaming. Sorry. All right, let's take a break. Let's come back with Andrew Marchand and John Orand. Sportscasters Podcast back here with a special fun interview to get sportscasters 2.0 going in the right direction two guests for the uh reboot here today and uh the first is a familiar face uh from the new york post the sports media guy who's been very kind to me uh since coming on board and uh being a part of the friends of the podcast he's been on five six seven times whatever now uh, a warm sportscasters welcome to andrew marchand how you doing today andrew
1: I'm doing well. Great to hear your
2: voice. And he comes bearing guests as well, gifts <laughs> to the show. He helped me set this up since somehow I've been doing this podcast as long as I have and have never met the next guest or talked to him. Not really sure why or how, uh, but he's from the Sports Business Journal, and he does a podcast with Andrew, and um, he's a Maryland grad uh, and a big Orioles fan, uh, which is it's good timing for that, I suppose. Uh, a warm sportscaster's welcome for the first time to John Orand. How are you doing today, John?
0: Doing great, man.
1: Thanks for having me
2: on. Yes, thanks for doing it. I'm glad to finally get you on here. I've heard you on a lot of podcasts, but never have had you on. So it's <laughs> exciting. We got a debut and a returnee, and they're on together because, of course, they host uh, every week, every Wednesday it comes out, the Marshawn and Orand Sports Media Podcast. And it's a partnership between their two. Um, there are two employers, uh, the New York post and the sports business journal. So let's start with Andrew. How did this, what's the origins? How did this start? How, how, how does, how do you get together and, and, and get through all the legalese and the lawyers? How, How does the partnership come together to, to the point where you can sit down and say, okay, we can do this. Let's start working on what it might be. Let's start there. Yeah. It took,
1: it took longer than we probably wanted, uh, for John and I, but, uh, I got a call from my sports editor, Christopher Shaw, who's saying, uh, you know, we had talked about doing a podcast. And he said, what do you think of the idea of uh, working with John Oran uh, on a podcast? And, and I was like, yeah, that'd be great. I, you know, I have a lot of respect for John. Uh, we, had, you know, we were like, we were friendly. You know, you know, more acquaintances, I'd say, than friends at that point. Um, uh, but uh, I said, yeah, let's go for it. And then the two sides spoke uh for a while to figure out how to do all the behind the scenes stuff because that is a little bit complicated when you have two entities uh like this and uh away we went and we're about 40 plus episodes in now
2: john what was when you first got the call and and heard about the idea uh were you into it right away did you have to have your arm twisted to work with andrew uh if not what was kind of your initial vision for it when you kind of heard of the idea
0: yeah, I did not have to have my arm twisted to, <laughs> to work with Andrew. Uh, uh, you know, all of this happened at levels uh, above Andrew and me. You know, like uh, my boss, Abe Madcourt, Doug Perlman, uh, who uh, is the sports media advisors, uh, sort of came up uh, with this idea on on our end. I, I think uh, Doug was working for the New York Post, actually. and um, As well. I think, Abe,
1: yeah, he advises both, I believe.
0: And Abe called me up and, and said, hey, what do you think about... Uh, Doing a podcast with uh, with Andrew, and I I have to tell you like if if uh, uh, I'm going to be overly nice to uh, to Andrew Marshan right now, but, <laughs> but as I look at the, at the media reporters, there's nobody who who it hustles more, breaks more news, is is uh, uh, obviously loves sports media, uh, and and loves uh, and loves journalism, and you know th- that was something that's irresistible to me to to to, to get behind. This wasn't sort of Jumping onto into any old pod, it was really getting together with, you know, who I would consider, you know, I, I think I'm a pretty good reporter. I think, I think Andrew's like the best in the business, you know, and uh, and it was a pretty easy uh, decision for me. I said yes right away without without even thinking about it. And I never I never looked back.
2: Here's one for both of you, and Andrew, you can get get started on it. Did you guys want to do podcasts in the past? Have you done podcasts? I, I can't remember one for either of you. Uh, like I said, I've always heard you both on other shows and Andrew, you've been on mine, but you know, there was the, I've been doing this show for 11 years now. And then there was the huge surge when COVID started, everyone was starting to podcast. You guys are kind of past that. If you want, if you didn't want to do them before, why now? What was it about now? Was it the unique opportunity? Was it something else you can kind of both chime in on why? I don't want to say you're late to the game, but why you guys have, uh, Started now as opposed to maybe some other time earlier.
1: Well, Steve and Joe, I'm considered an expert because I'm on the cutting edge of media. You know, four years ago <laughs> yes. I went to I went back no, let me finish four years ago I went back to a newspaper uh in what was that, two thousand seventeen. Right. Uh so I so I got that so I'm really uh I'm on top of things. Well, but to answer your really your initial question, um when podcasts came around like I went to ESPN from the post in two thousand seven. Um, maybe around 2011 or so. So, re- still pretty early in it. You know, like, uh, I proposed doing a... I was covering the Yankees predominantly. I proposed doing a Yankee podcast. Um, and the initial was... There wasn't, you know, it was sort of like, eh, maybe, you know, but ESPN there's a lot of layers. So, it's one of those things... Uh, uh, having, like, I always say, like, they get something done at ESPN. It's kind of like the NCAA tournament uh for certain things like right you know you have to get through six rounds you gotta win to six win games title. yeah
2: okay you,
1: exactly You yeah. exactly. gotta win six games yeah and uh and you have to under and then so then you have to ask yourself well do you really if you win the six games are you really gonna maybe you're, you're cutting down the nets or you just added more work for yourself and no more pay so uh so, that, so, so anyway so i did have an interest in doing podcasts i i i known that it's uh You know, a big thing from when I initially started seemed like a great thing to do. So I've wanted to do a podcast uh, for a long time. Um, And when I left ESPN uh, to go and cover sports media again for The Post, in my mind, um, and even when I talked to Chris Shaw uh, and, you know, uh, and people even higher than him, um, my vision was to, you know, to write and to talk and to do video and kind of, I feel like that's where things are. You know, when I left in 2007, when I went to ESPN, um, part of the reason besides the, it being better for, you know, financially, uh, was I felt like that's where the world was going. You're going to have to sure. be able to write, you're going to have to be able to talk, and you have to be able to be on video. And, you know, now you don't have to be at ESPN to do that. So uh, for me, it's something I've wanted to do for a long time.
2: John?
0: Yeah, I, I don't necessarily. I didn't necessarily want to do it. I dabbled with it. Like I did a podcast, uh, w- which was mainly uh, short interviews with uh, with uh, you know sports business uh, I- executives. Didn't get a ton of traction. Um, uh, but uh, for, for me, it's it, it's almost less about the podcasting medium, um, uh, which I'm I'm still I'm still learning. It, it's more about, you know, uh, uh, the partnership with The Post for us. I mean, The Sports Business Journal is, is a trade magazine. The Post is a, is a big consumer newspaper, uh, oldest, oldest newspaper in, in, in the country, I believe. Right, Andrew?
1: It is Alexander Hamilton, as uh, everyone knows now. <laughs> but yeah, Alexander Hamilton uh, uh, created The Post. And so uh, so the, the idea of, of, of
0: doing that, uh, I, f- I found to be uh, pretty attractive. And you know, you said you've heard me on, on a ton of podcasts. Yes. I've always been, I've always been thinking like, why am I sort of giving away that content of sure. sorts? You know, I mean, it, it, it it is helpful to me. The those are the the appearances which I still do and Andrew still does is very helpful to me. But you know, they're, 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 if there's a way to bring that back in and sort of own my own content, uh, you know, then you know that that was that was another uh, attractive part of it.
2: Well, first I have to say, praise God if they're still, that those are still valuable, those uh, outside interviews. Because um, I'd, be, I'd be in trouble if they weren't. Uh, this is interesting to me. I was thinking about Howard Stern and Robin Quivers. And Howard always said that, um, oh, you know, Robin and I never had one meeting off air. Uh, we just turned the mics on and, and we went. And I wonder for you guys, and I'm not calling anyone Robin or anyone Howard. You can both be Howard if you like, or Robin. What <laughs> You guys be whoever you want to be. But I just wonder before those mics went on, what was the process of getting to the show? I know you got the big get. You do it sometimes. Sometimes you don't. You know, I think Andrew said before he kind of almost likes it better when the interviews aren't there. Um, what about before and kind of getting the format and, and 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 what the conversations were like between you guys, uh, John? You can start this time. Uh,
0: are, are you talking about? Uh, before we launched the before podcast, you started. we're talking about yeah. every week.
2: Yeah, before you started. Well, you know, to get that show on the air, first show on the air, what did you guys kind of the discuss? The funny thing
0: about podcasts is, uh, is that uh, I think uh, – I don't want to speak for Andrew, but I, I wanted to do a podcast that was sort of unlike any other podcast uh, out there. So sure. I didn't – the last thing I wanted to do is is hit one topic and just talk about it for an hour, an hour and a half, and uh, or or bring on a guest and and have an overly long interview. And so uh, my my uh, my north star was actually PTI. You know, I I just really liked how
3: mm-hmm.
0: they uh, went from topic to topic. They gave informed opinions on um, both Tony Kornheiser and Michael Wilbon, are, are old reporters. You know, and so they brought a sort of newspaper sensibility to it. They would bring on interviews and it would be five good minutes. Uh, Originally, Andrew and I wanted our interviews just to be five minutes, but on podcasting, uh, we found that to be just impossible. Like just to cut that down. I I, I don't know how they do that on on PTI. Uh, So, you know, we did have talks about sort of how to move forward and not just turn on the mics and just start gabbing and then, and and then turn them off. Cause we, we feel like there are a lot of those already in sports media. We wanted to do, Something that that uh, that, that was fast paced and it, it hit our strengths, which is you know uh, news reporting and sort of being you know plugged in reporters.
2: Andrew, to, to add on to that, you guys are about forty so episodes in. How do you think you guys have evolved from what the original vision was to where you're at now? And do you feel like you guys have kind of hit your stride and this is what it's going to be, or do you guys? And John, if you want to add on to this after he's done, you can. Or do you guys kind of feel like okay? we're going there, but we're still going and there's still more evolving and changing that we're going to do before the show is what we really want it to be every week in and out.
1: Yeah, I think there's a lot more evolving, um, which we do. I think subtly uh, each week, uh, which might not be noticeable to people who listen all the time, but where we change up some things. And I I think what, We're trying to do is just kind of you know what you're going to get each week, right? You know what the kind of the format, and sort of we're going to hit the biggest issues, um, and uh, and sometimes have some really big gets, um, in terms of interviews, but yeah, no, I think it's still to me, it still evolves. We have ideas, we throw some things out there, uh, you know, you know, John might say, What do you think of this, you know. And then, you know, we, we talk about it and and we so far have worked well together, except that, you know, I, Steve, you go back, Mike and the Mad Dog, you know, Mike was off
2: the uh, one
1: weekend way back when they first, yeah, yeah. and Chris changed the jingle. Uh, you know, I took yeah. a week off. <laughs> I and, remember uh, this. John. <laughs> there were rumors, you know, behind the scenes, it hasn't been out there, uh, but. You know, John was trying to change the logo. I heard, uh, and do some <laughs> other things with the uh, with the name order. The R and, and podcast.
2: Yeah, that's a good job yeah, by you. That's a good job by you, to get John. A,
0: a guest host to come in every other week now. Exactly.
2: <laughs> good job by you, John. John, let me ask yeah. you this. It seems like one thing I've noticed in the evolution of the podcast. It seems like maybe there is a interest of you guys to clearly turn Marshan into the heel. And for you to be the baby face, it seems like that's developing more and more subtly as I listen each week. It seems like you guys make sure to get a few of those comments in. listen, don't forget listener. Andrew's the heel and I'm the baby face, right? The mega powers have not exploded yet, but I, I kind of get that feeling a little bit. John, what do you think? Look,
0: I'm I'm from DC. I'm from like South of Mason Dixon. Like Andrew's like a fast talking New Yorker. I'm I'm like the nice guy on on the pod, absolutely. Yeah.
2: If, if I mean,
1: Steve, the goal of the pod yeah. see, the goal of the pod was to get to ruin all of John's sources. So I don't know if I've done that <laughs> yet because it <of> <laughs> keeps breaking story still. But that was kind of the goal. I mean I grew up at the post, so you get used to um you know, try to be fair, but confrontation. And so, um, and I also kind of think, like, you should just say it, right? Like, I don't know, sometimes people want to subtly say, it, and you obviously don't say maybe everything you think, you right. know, sometimes, Still some perhaps, filter. but uh, but yeah, I think you want to, um, yeah, and I think John... John John goes there too sometimes he he, he upsets some people he upset somebody this week
0: uh, <laughs> I, I get I get all the time on the podcast which is funny I mean, my my whole career has been based on print and you nice. know my print uh, stories go through uh, a ton of editing uh, you know self editing and then i have editors and copy editors and people uh, some people call and say why did you say that and i'm like well that's not really what i meant and they're like that's what you said <laughs> you know then and, uh, and you know one of the things that we have uh, you know we start every show with like who's up and who's down yeah and you gotta come up with a who's down and some people take that in good humor and some people don't like they they get really upset by it and it's a uh, you know it's, it, but I, I think it's a, a an important part of the show to, to get in there to get, get it to get a uh, fast moving and good way to start
2: well you guys are kind of in the relationship business when you're looking for sources and trying to break stories and it's competitive out there and then you put the podcast out in like a half an hour the Bill Hoffheimer's of the world are calling you up and you're like, Oh boy, you know what I mean? It might not get that next ESPN story, I guess. So that could be a a off run of the podcast.
1: Yeah. That's a misnomer though. That's a a misnomer. Like, you know, um, you know, there's, you know, a carrot and stick. The the reason that Andrew is good (laughs) and the reason (laughs) that
0: that, that I break stories isn't necessarily because we pick up the phone and, and, and rewrite a press release that Bill Hoffheimer is giving us. I mean, we're, the The relationship is trying to to get the stories before they be, even become press release press releases.
1: And I would say, and I would say this: the one thing I think that uh, and you know, John, like I, you know, when I was at ESPN, I did do a good amount of radio and TV, uh, so I did do you know my fair share of it. But it is different, right? And you can kind of say things when you're talking that, like John was just kind of saying that you might not write because it's just sort of coming out of your mouth. And you know, we do have a chance to. You know it's uh it's recorded, so we don't have a chance to say, you know, it sure. just hasn't really happened, but you could say, "Ah, yeah, we don't really want to say that, but I think at the end of the day you know you asked me at the beginning, you know the other thing about John that I really appreciate he's fair right like he he can be harsh and critical and and all those things, but like I really try to be fair, and I think at the end of the day, that's what kind of helps you continually break stories is that you're fair with people and you listen. Uh, so what they have to say, and it's not, um, it very often for me is adversarial, but in a good natured and fair way, because I always want to, I always say I'd rather have the argument before a story comes out than after. Uh, but, you know, in this case, it's a little bit different because you're talking and then it comes out. So if someone's upset, but I really haven't had that much. Many people get upset in terms of things that says, well, quick shout out to my face, quick shout out, <laughs> quick shout
2: out to Bill Hoffheimer, who is, probably the nicest person to me anyway of anyone i've dealt with in the 11 years so uh, virginia guy shout out to him if he's listening he does occasionally i know um john let me ask you this you had mentioned coming from prince do you think all the guest spots you did on the podcast over the years kind of gave you a little bit more confidence or helped you as you transitioned into the more consistent podcast role did you feel like I was talking to you guys off air about being nervous about my chops and building my chops up. Did you kind of feel like that you had done that a little bit through all of your guest appearances over the years?
0: Yeah. You know, it's funny. Uh, I did. I came in with a pretty healthy ego that, that uh, I I knew how to do podcasts. And, and uh, I I have to tell you that, um, uh, having been, how long were you at ESPN for Seven years. Oh, 11,
1: 11 years, 11 years. And he's on air there.
0: And he, and Look, I love DC, but we're not New we, we're not New York sports radio. And right. Andrew is a student of New York sports radio, and so uh, I realized pretty quickly being paired up with Andrew, like how uh, how much I di- didn't know about communicating on on a podcast, especially when it's your own podcast. And uh, and so uh, I had an ego that that was sort of drained pr- uh, pretty quickly uh, <laughs> with that, and I just uh, had to catch up. Uh, Andrew uh, mentioned, you know, he he took a vacation a couple of weeks ago and I brought in a, a guest host on that and so uh Andrew because he's better at it than I am is a guy that you know he does the opening and he he does the transitions and and he does a he does a really good job with it uh with the guest host I had to do that and it was so it felt it just felt unnatural doing it and it's a uh, sure. uh we're 40 in I think, uh, you know, people have told us you need to be 100 episodes in before you really sort of get your sea legs. And At I least. feel that way. I feel yeah. better now than I was 40 episodes ago, and I'm, I'm sure I'll be a lot better 40 episodes from now.
2: Yeah, as someone who's done this for 11 years, I totally agree about that number, if not more. Let me ask you guys this, one last one on specifically on the podcast. and I got a couple sports media ones I got to hit before I let you go. Um, 40 episodes in to the future what do each of you want to see in the podcast more as you go what in terms of the evolving of the show um what do you hope is part of that evolution andrew you can start good good question
1: um i just want it to be fast moving right i think that's the key for us (coughs) excuse me it can be long but Excuse me, I'm like choking. Uh, I don't want to choke during the podcast. No, That's a goal please, of mine, no. Not to choke uh, <laughs> during any, your podcast or our yes, podcast. Yes, please, no. Um, so, yes, yeah, so what I'd say is that uh, I want it to continue to be fast moving and something that, uh, that people look forward to. And we've gotten some nice feedback from a lot of people who seem to uh, have made it a regular part of their rotation of things they listen to. Uh, and so, uh, but so I, I guess that would be to me where. I want us to continue to really kind of make sure that it uh, doesn't drag on. Uh, because I think that does sometimes that does sometimes happen because uh, you know, podcasts you don't have, there's no real time limit except ones you sure. impose on yourself. And so uh, and that can be great depending on the guest and what you're talking about and how in-depth you need to go. But it also can be like I, you know, as a writer at heart, is like, you know, stories to me, like long features. Um, there's a reason you have editors and generally speaking, they're right when they say it should be a little shorter because yeah, you want to get everything in, but you know, most stories, you know, you start getting past 2,000, uh, 2,500 and the 3,000, you get starting past there. You better be have a really good story um, <laughs> if you're going to keep going that far. So I think that's what I would say is that, you know, keep it tight and fast moving.
0: Yeah, it's funny. I try to write stories no longer than 750 words. If I can't tell it in 750 words, then yeah, it has to be a really good, thoroughly reported story. Um, But I I think one of the one of the hardest things I had to learn as as a print reporter is to leave good stuff out of the story because you're just telling a story. And I think that you know it's it's a lot different with podcasts, but it's still the same thing. Like like both Andrew and I have so much knowledge about uh, the topics that we're talking about, but we don't have to say everything that we know about it every single time. It's okay not to say things because I, I think the one criticism that we both have w- with our podcast afterwards is, you know, we stayed on a certain topic too long or or, or, or we're, we're just, you know, we're repeating ourselves. And it's, uh, you know, it is it's the whole thing. The whole idea is to get in, get out and speak quickly and authoritatively. The Yeah,
1: yeah. I just want to add, yeah, that's yeah. for me on a personal level. There are times where I go on too long, I feel like, and I listen back and I'm like, oh, you know what, cut that in half. And like, it, it's because what John said, though. And it's a good thing, I think, overall, is that we're very passionate about the uh, subject. And, and, you know, taking it back to your original question, it's like, that's what's fun. Like, John's excited to talk about the stuff. I'm excited to talk about it. And to me, you know and like, steve you're like this too with media and you know mm-hmm. you've been for a long time is that authenticity that you really want to talk about this stuff that if you didn't have a microphone in front of you and it wasn't being recorded and you could just have a conversation about sports media you'd like having it um and i think that's uh really kind of what we want at the core of the whole thing
0: yeah that's... Yeah. every time i get I, like new reporters in it's uh, you know the the one thing I always tell them is to develop thick skin because it's like, it's no longer your story. It's a story that, that everybody, that a lot of people are invested in and a lot of people want to put out. And both, uh, uh, both Andrew and I want this pod to be really good. And so we, you know, we hold no punches about like, I don't think that worked. I don't think this worked or that that was good. We should have done, done more of it because we both want it to get better. We don't always agree, but we all but 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 we're open to having those conversations because it's similar conversations that we have with our editors.
2: Yeah, well, we are always the most critical of our work. So, but I love the show. It's the Marshann and Orand sports media podcast. It comes out every Wednesday. Uh, it's on YouTube, and it's also uh, where you, obviously wherever you listen to podcasts, you can find it. They, the New York Post and Sports Business Journal, they knew how to distribute it. You know, they they weren't. That wasn't an issue, obviously. You can find it anywhere. Uh, and here's a here's a story for you guys. So I had a surgery on a Monday. And, um, you know, you get all that anesthesia and you kind of a little bit out of it. And I'm the kind of guy who every day of the year I go to sleep with my headphones in. And I put on, like, an episode of Stern from 1995. And I have that on. I don't like silence. But post-surgery, I like silence. And uh, it was Monday all day sleeping Tuesday all day sleeping and I woke up the third day and it was Wednesday and it was I thought what day of the week is it and I asked the nurse and she said Wednesday and I first thing I thought of I was like oh good I got an Oran and Marshawn podcast I can listen to uh today <laughs> so I got something good to do today so appreciate that from you guys real quick I want to ask you one or two sports media things and I've told Andrew this the most important sports media package in the world to me is the NFL ticket package because I'm a fan of an out-of-market team. I've been a Saints fan since I was seven years old. I've had TV since I was old enough to pay for it so that I could watch the games. And it's been in flux, but there's been some movement on that. There's been some reporting, but I didn't recognize who was doing the reporting. Uh, what's the latest that you guys have? And whoever I – I don't know who would rather take it, but what, what is the absolute latest on this? And I know, I, I know from Goodell's mouth – we're getting closer to announcement in the fall, maybe.
0: Uh, yeah, uh, Roger Goodell said that it's going to go to a streamer, and it's going to be uh, uh, it's going to be uh, a deal that's done by the fall. Uh, there have been different reports out about who's who's leading right now. Everything everything I'm told is that it's Apple and it's Amazon, but you know this is a deal that the NFL originally wanted to get done by the Super Bowl. And so the fact that it's, you know, the fact that it's dragging until uh, September, uh, I'm not quite sure why that that is. It it might be because uh, the NFL wants to uh, include um, selling part of its uh, media uh, outfit, including NFL Network and and Red Zone Channel. Um, I don't think either Apple or Amazon are going to uh buy Sunday ticket without also controlling Red Zone channel which is a, uh, a, a um, something that you know DirecTV hated because it took uh, subscribers away from them because right. you know, people people were watching it from a fantasy standpoint
2: right, that was But we're not going to are going to be lots of rumors we're we're not going to know
0: for certain until September or just before then
2: Anything to add to that Andrew uh, well I think John and I both you know back in January I wrote about Apple
1: uh, being a leader now I kind of stayed on that, but then I, I went off a, like a little bit saying, oh, maybe Amazon. Uh, ESPN, I think, is out as far as I can tell. Um, and so I think it. you know, like John said, it's Apple or Amazon. Uh, John, that's interesting. Um, we'll do that here. So you're saying the red zone um, part of it which right now you can watch on direct TV, right? It's a different show. And then on cable, right. you watch a different show. That's going to be part of it. And so there only will be one red zone or do you think there'll be multiple red zones. still? I think there'll still
0: be multiple red zones. Cause I think that red zone channel ma- ma- makes a lot of money, but like direct TV has exclusive access to Sunday ticket but uh, Dish Network is able to say, we have every NFL game because they have access to NFL Red Zone. You know, so right. so it, 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 it hurts the effectiveness of, of Sunday. It hurts the value of Sunday Ticket in the eyes of uh, DirecTV executives.
2: I definitely know people in my own life who, when Red Zone was available on cable or on Dish Network or wherever, they just went with that, You know, got rid of Direct because that was enough for them. They didn't need the games. They were looking for Red Zone. And I remember when I first found out there was two different Red Zones, I was talking to a friend, I was like, yeah, you don't watch Red, or we were talking about Red Zone, I was like, it's crazy, that guy's got bigger ears, and it's like, what are you talking about? (laughs) You know, it's like, we are talking about two different hosts. Uh, (laughs) No, shout out to Siciliano, who's great at it, by the way. I never got to see the other guy, because I'm, let me ask you this, kind of a clarification.
1: They're both excellent. Yeah, yeah. It's a a both. Excellent. Yeah, their brothers uh, very, very good. good. Seems uh, hard to do, and they're TV on right. it
2: with everything. They they nail it. They're really good. Let me ask you this: as kind of a clarification because yeah, great... one yeah. thing that it seems like that won't happen uh, as in this transition is it won't be any cheaper. Um, I've read that the networks that kind of have something in their contracts that kind of push the price to a certain point, and Apple's going to have to go by that. This is what I was wondering. DirecTV was always kind of getting around that in a way by offering it for free to new customers. Is this something that Apple could do? Is there is there anything Apple can do, as far as you guys know, to, at launch, kind of make it more attractive for people to sign up, or Amazon, I guess, to sign up for the service and then also to to be a part of the DirecTV, DirecTV, the NFL ticket part of it so that maybe they can track how many people they added because of it or something like that. I don't know. But is there any way I get this even a cent cheaper, I guess, is what I'm asking. I doubt it. Doubt it. What do you think, Jeff? <laughs> uh,
0: you, you know, you, I, I think it, it, uh, the thing about Directv offering it for free, I, the, what what uh, uh, Fox and CBS are are, uh, are most concerned about is that it takes viewers from from their uh, from from their um, the ratings and their their advertising, uh, and so it's it's less of, it's less about giving it for free in a, in a price point, and, and more about they they want to make sure that. Uh, that that it stays a premium product with a relatively small um, subscriber base. So you're not going to see, you know, 20 million people subscribing a Sunday ticket. That would you know, that, that that would get you know uh, Fox and and, and CBS sure. you know uh, insane. So it's you know if. if if they put it at a three hundred dollar price point and they are not signing up anybody, then yeah, you can start to see those. Uh, those, um, hey, we'll give it free for you know how many ever months. Uh, but th- that's that that we're so far ahead of that, we,
1: we don't
2: know. We don't even know who has it yet.
1: But this, it's such a total loss leader, though, right? How many? Do you know how many subscribers they have? Direct TV um, hey. for Direct TV.
0: It, they they haven't actually broken that out it's it's not a ton and for direct tv it's been a loss leader and that's the big question now of does you know wall street used to say we just want to see see you growing subs we just want to yeah. see the streaming services growing subs wall street has since said we w- we want to see profits so the idea, the idea of of apple and amazon deciding well we're going to do this loss leader to grow subs goes totally against what the markets are telling us to do right now
2: it says, yeah. two- I do
1: think, though, Steve, I do think that this is the big, This we might look back 15, 20 years from now and say this is the most important deal that's done. Because I think Amazon or Apple, whoever has that relationship where the future of television could go, again, not in the near term, we're talking a decade out at least, um, but just starting that relationship um, with subscription and what they could do when television really changed. And if you really wanted to change TV, like Apple tries to do with every uh, product they get involved in. Um, I do think the NFL and changing how they deliver it and how it's distributed. uh, This could be the start or Amazon might win that if they win the battle, but it looks like, you know, it does, it does feel like uh, Apple, but you don't, you don't know. As John likes to say on the pod, you know, one executive Jeff Bezos could just call up or Andy Jassy and just say, Hey, you know what? Let's go. We have to get this. And then all of a sudden maybe it changes. All
2: right. One last thing. Let's get out of here on this. Uh, Let's say it's, this just before in between the first and the second week of the NFL season, this will be kind of just fun. You guys can just kind of go anywhere you want with this. It's in between the first week and the second week of the NFL season. This off season has seen unprecedented movement in the booths uh, around the networks with guys like Joe Buck going from Fox to ESPN, etc. What do you think you guys are going to write about that in between the first and second week? Who are going to be the winners? Who are going to be the losers? What's going to be the fallout. What do you guys? How do you guys see everything that's happened so far uh, playing out in reality when the games come and the booths uh, go to work? John, you can start this one.
0: Um, yeah, that's great because I, I actually want to hear uh, Andrew's answer. Okay, Andrew, I you don't start. Feel bad after uh-huh. and okay, and, wait. Uh, oh, go ahead, Andrew. Okay. <laughs> okay
1: well, I would say Rose. I, I would say first off, I never like to. I don't like the columns that say, like, well, an opinion before you give people a chance to, like, do a game, right? Like, I don't want to say... Right. What, you know, I obviously saw it, watched Greg Olson last year. Um, then, um, but I would say that I do think that Olson burkhart uh, broadcast will get a more of a fine... Uh, you know, people look at that a little bit finer. Uh, and then, uh, you know, I don't think... Yeah, I mean, it'll be startling in, in some regards to see Buck and Aikman on ESPN, but we know what that broadcast is going to sound like, right? They're not going to... ESPN is going to let them do their thing, and that, that's going to sound the way it has for 20 years. Uh, and then now Michael's in Herbst Street. It's week two. Uh, that one uh, will be uh, will be fun to listen to, see how uh, they mesh together. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, I think the focus will be on it. And I, you know, and Tariqo... You know, again, he, he he had done Monday Night years ago, uh, so and with Collinsworth. and he sent some So I don't think that one. So I do, I do think you're really that Burkhart Olsen, and what you have there, especially with Brady in the wing, is the one that's kind of the uh, most interesting.
0: Yeah, I love that answer because I'm I'm going to take this as more of a sports business uh, sense, and I think that you determine the winners and losers uh, in, in in the off season based on the the quality of the schedule that they that they get. I if you listen to the pod you've heard me talk about Amazon yeah. having the worst of all the NFL schedules. Uh that that, that that's out there. That's what Thursday night is. But Amazon put Al Michaels Kirk Herbstreit they have they they they're using NBC's production, you know, Fred Guidelli, it's a top-flight production. I will t- I will say they got a much better schedule than I was expecting. Uh ESPN upgraded their their booth and now they have you know double headers they they have simulcasts that are going on to uh the abc they're going to be they're part of the super bowl rotation uh and and so you know all all of these moves are that are made more with the nfl in mind than with uh than with the actual audience in mind
2: did i read the release yeah, they would have had oh go ahead.
1: Yeah, but they would have had those, doubleheaders headers, anyways. They didn't need fucking Aikman. I mean, I, I think they made a promise to the NFL that they were going to upgrade the booth when they made the deal, but they were having that all was going to happen anyway. So I don't know if that was a cause yeah, and yeah. effect. And I do disagree a little bit. I thought Amazon's schedule is not bad. I mean, yes, there's a couple of games, the Jets Jaguar game late Oof. that could be <laughs> pretty bad. But that said, that said, and again, this is uh, I, I, most likely that's bad, but you do have two big-time second-year quarterbacks, maybe those teams make a leap, and all of a sudden you have a pretty good game. I mean, you know, Jaguars the Jaguars. Maybe the Jets and the uh, Jaguars are, are being
2: game. defeated for that game. Do you think there's a schedule oh, worse? look at
1: that shot. How about that shot? <laughs> Who's the heel now? <laughs> See, and, yeah, I'm a nice guy. I'm a nice guy.
2: Andrew, do you think there's a schedule that's worse if it's not Amazon as worse? Or are you just saying Amazon's a little bit better then?
1: No, I just think, it's, I, I think they have some good games. Okay. They come out of the shoots with a good one, you know, which you'd expect, San Diego, KC... Uh, you know, two quarterbacks. Um, and I just, you go through it, I think maybe week two, it might be Brown Steelers uh, for them, which is uh, a, you know, might some say that's a bad yeah. game. That's yeah. a pretty, yeah, rivalry. pretty rivalry game. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I just think if you look at their schedule, I, here's the other thing about the schedule. The, the big thing that's going to happen for ESPNY is if they have a Renaissance for getting Bucket Aikman, is that they're going to have flexible scheduling starting next year sure. um, to some degree. And so, that makes it so those late season games where you really have turkeys on, you know, your only game in town. Now, you know, in theory, you might not get uh, you know, a full Thanksgiving meal, but uh you still you'll get a pretty good game instead of a game that's uh you know, a team that's three and eleven.
2: Did I read it right that Aikman and Buck are debuting on Eagles Vikings, not Bills Titans? In that release. That's week two, I believe. I believe that's week two. That, that's uh, week two. Those okay.
1: games. Okay. And so week one, I'm trying to think. I forget what their first game, but they only have a single game. So um, I was just surprised. Yeah, but that, that they week, yeah.
2: Yeah, I was surprised they weren't on Bills Titans. It seems like, I mean, it's a rematch of a playoff game, no? Or no, yeah, Tennessee lost to, to the Bengals. I don't know. I was just, Maybe, yeah, maybe they, those guys just feel comfortable doing the NFC game. I don't know. The... Yeah, I mean, initially, no. Nah, I think what happened was initially I was told that's what they're going to do. They're going to do the best game, but I think they
1: figured that you know what, the late game on ABC is going to be seen by more people. Okay, it's week two, so that's what they went with. I haven't talked to anybody since then, but initially I was told they would do the best game, which you're right is the Titans Tennessee and Bills. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Monday night's first game is Denver. By the way, Monday night's first game is Denver at Seattle.
2: Denver at Seattle. Um, that's right. Which is yep. a huge game with Russell Wilson. Sure All right The Marshawn and RN podcast Sports media podcast A new weekly podcast With the best sources in the business Every Wednesday You can find that on YouTube And Apple Podcasts And wherever you listen to podcasts You'll find it It's fantastic I listen every week You should too John, I recommend you never Accept an invitation from Andrew to Brutus Beefcake's barbershop He may Kick you in the (laughs) face And throw you through the glass window Avoid that um i would hate to see a heel turn here um because i'm enjoying the show (laughs) Uh, you can follow john on twitter he's at our and underscore sbj and uh andrew what's yours i don't have in front of me
1: it's just normal it's It's just your name name, right yeah andrew Marshand,
2: yeah and that's why i didn't have it in front of me because i'm like yeah it's just his name you don't have to write it down and then i forgot that that's why i did that first show back guys guys. first show back guys i appreciate you guys doing this very much Anything else either of you want to say before I let you go? Any questions for me?
1: Well, most of all, I'm happy that you're feeling better. Thank you. And uh, I, I got one question before let okay. you, you know, you, we, we go. I got one question. Sure. Which, which move did you like the best? All right, you got Brady, yeah. you got Olsen, you got Tarico. you got Michaels and Herbstreet. Which move did you like the best?
2: Well... Here's the thing. I'm a huge Kenny Albert guy, and I also think that okay. um, I think that um, uh, Burkhart is better in the studio than play-by-play. I watch a lot of NFC games, obviously, um, okay. so I don't quite understand the hype of Burkhart. I love Olsen. I thought he was fantastic last year, um, but I just like Burkhart so much more during the World Series when he's at the desk and in control that way i don't love them play by play so i think fox is the t the, the station that was hurt the most um as a as a fox viewer primarily because well and that's changing obviously as the uh the deals change over the years here there's fox games now it can be any it's not the way it was right where it's nfc whatever um but i assume the saints will be on fox a lot and i will miss buck and aikman um and, and, and maybe there'll be a team this year that, that that gets into the Kenny Albert range of games more, which I love. I think he's great. Uh, what do I like the best? I guess I like what ESPN did the best because uh, it's an incredible upgrade to go from pretty much anyone to Joe Buck. And uh, the booth they had was okay, but it wasn't great. It didn't scream Monday Night Football to me. I remember growing up as a kid when I'd be able to stay up till 9 o'clock to watch the first half of the game or whatever. And I would hear Al Michaels and Frank Gifford and um, – uh, who was the uh help me out. Who's the third guy in the booth? Uh, with the musket. Andy Don. Yes. No, no, no. after him. I'm not that old. Uh the musk oh, Deerdorf. Thank you, Deerdorf. Gifford, Deerdorf and Michaels. When I heard those guys, I thought, Wow, it's a big game. You know, my team who always lost then. My team's finally on a big game, on a big network. This is awesome. Al Michaels was calling the game. I didn't get that with the Monday night booth since Trico left, and I think they have that again, so that would be my answer long-winded i'm sorry all right
1: yeah all right well i will like that answer in Bristol halfheimer he doesn't do he doesn't do that
2: <laughs> anymore <laughs> no it's college right it. college sports then. yeah uh anything for uh, yeah. anything for you john are you good
1: nah man i'm good thanks for having me on yeah this was good
2: thanks for debuting i appreciate you both you guys have a good day all
1: right thanks Luke. talk to you Too tall, could have used a few pounds Tight pants, points, the renown She was a black hat beauty with big dark eyes And points on her own, sitting way up
2: high Way up firm and high I past the cornfields when the woods got heavy Uh, I want to thank John Orand and Andrew Marchand for being the first guests back after a long sportscaster's hiatus due to my health. Uh, And also back with the podcast is the book club. Three books in the book club today. First, Howard Bryant uh, is the author of an excellent book I read in the hospital called Ricky, the life and legend of an American original. Uh, Ricky being Ricky Henderson, of course and it tells the stories and breaks the fact from the fiction. Uh, Did he really go up to John Olerud and tell him that he knew another guy who wore a helmet in the field, and it was actually John Olerud? You know, what stories are true? What was it like? Uh, Did he leave a million-dollar check in a frame on his wall? A great book. We'll be talking to Howard Bryant soon about that as well. Uh, On next week's show, the author of this book 1972, the series that changed hockey forever by Scott Morrison. Uh, of course, this series is immortalized in fireworks by the Tragically Hip. If there's a goal that everyone remembers, it was back in old 72 as we all squeezed the stick and we all pulled the trigger. Yes, Paula?
1: Um, I'd like to say a good job to all these offered because I love reading and I'm so happy.
2: Okay, that's a nice message. Thank you, honey. And then also, we have the Football Outsiders Almanac, the essential guide to the 2022 NFL and college football seasons. Uh, We get this every year. Aaron is always nice enough to give me a copy. Uh, You can purchase this on Amazon in paperback format. Uh, You can buy digital formats as well. And we're going to take a break in a second and talk to Aaron about that. But don't forget, 1972, the series that changed hockey forever by Scott Morrison. And The Life and Legend of an American Original, Ricky by Howard Bryant. Those are the books that we are starting back up with. There will be more in the fall, I'm sure. Uh, but let's do it. Let's take a break. We will be right back with Aaron Shots from Football Outsiders. <laughs> Our next guest today is a graduate of Brown University and uh, is currently in Worcester, Massachusetts and is the main man behind the Football Outsiders Almanac, which comes out every year. And he's been a mainstay on this show. I think we've done this every August for like 10 years now. Uh, and I always look forward to it. And he's always very kind to me. And with his time, a warm sportscaster's guest welcome to Aaron Schatz. How you doing, Aaron? Hey, I'm good.
3: Uh, all the work of the book is done. I'm actually uh, got my life a little easy now until the preseason right. starts.
2: right It's that the little lull right between when you put the book out and when preseason really starts going. Uh, training camps are, are are starting. I know um, teams have many teams have reported, but then you got that weird thing they're in camp, but it takes what like four days before they can put pads on or something like that. Yeah, yeah, so it's it's kind of a spring thing. Let's start with um let's start with what you do and uh, the formulas and the almanac. Did you make any changes this year to DVOA or to how you are analyzing this with your simulations? Has anything about the game evolved that forced you to make a change?
3: Uh, I don't think we have any changes in this year's book. Major changes as far as what goes in the stats. Uh, We do have one new stat, which is a thing I created called post-game win expectancy. And what that does is it says, given how well these two teams played in this game, how often would you have expected each team to win the game, okay. like based on the basic yep. stats of the game? How, how often? You know, because sometimes, you know, a team gets kind of outplayed, but they win the game anyway. So in our tables of all the games from last year, it lists the post-game win expectancy from every game.
2: That's really cool. It's kind of like it reminds me of the advanced stat they use in hockey, expected goals scored. You know where they look at every yeah. shot, how often you'd expect there to be a goal. It just kind of give you an idea when a guy's on a cold streak, but the chances are there, kind of a thing, um, or the opposite. Uh, what have you learned most from that, if anything? I mean, not much. It's just
3: you know, it gives you an idea of which games, you know, teams played really well in games they maybe were lucky to win sure
2: last year was i a, think the go ahead no go there's ahead. a the
3: seattle seattle san francisco game where the winner was like the winner was like six percent to win or something and won the game anyway
2: yeah it seemed like atlanta's had a lot of those games where they're in the ninety percent to win late and blow it. They had one against Dallas. I can't remember if that's last year or the year before, it kind of runs together. It was two years ago. Two, two yeah, years last ago. year <laughs> they were
3: lucky and they won close games. The year before that they were terrible and they lost a bunch of close games.
2: Right. Um here's what I was wondering. The Bills are the top this year in terms of the Super Bowl percentage, ten point four. But when I was reading the intro of the book, that's the lowest it's been for years, correct? Usually it's a lot closer to 15%. Um, you expect yeah. a, you expect just a, a closer league. Why do you think that is, I guess, is the main question. I don't know. Our projections just came out that way this year. I'm not quite sure why
3: uh, we're expecting a closer league this year. But our projections came out closer to average with everybody closer to average than usual. So uh, yeah, we, we we love the Bills this year, but we do think that this year is a little bit of a, you know, anybody can win it. Uh, things are a little bit more up in
2: the air than usual. Are Bills fans still harassing you about the Josh Allen thing? Of course. <laughs> they're never going to let that go, right? Never. <laughs> yeah. Uh, believe me, I live here. I hear, I hear it every day about Josh Allen and the Bills mafia, and they're excited here for sure. Um, one more thing about last year before I get too ahead of myself. It was a weird season, right? It wasn't as weird as the COVID season, but there was also that period as we got to December where there was a new variant and a million guys were testing positive and it kind of forced them to make the change. I know the Saints game Saints had a game on Monday night where I mean, they had an August team on the field because so many people were out they had to play Ian Book. Um did the way the season played out last year um and then when you get to this year, it does it make it harder on you to project and to produce the almanac when you're coming off these kind of wonky seasons in a row, does that make things a little bit harder to explain or am I reading too much into that? Yeah,
3: well, we'll have to, um, you know, we try to adjust for that. Like when we projected Miami this year, uh, their defense, we didn't include the Ian book game because that game was such a ridiculous outlier because of who the Saints had on the field. But, you know, for the most part, we just do the same things we always do. You know, I mean, players miss games all the time for all kinds of injury reasons. It's rare that we've had one of these games where like a whole unit misses it because of COVID. I mean, we, we try to adjust for that when it does happen, but, you know, there weren't as many of them last year as there were the year before. So, um, you know, it's something we have to live with now.
2: Yeah, it's kind of like the the Saints had gotten the gift the year before that with the Denver game when they didn't have a quarterback really at all. And then they got to pay it back last year with the Miami game where they didn't really have a team at all. Probably shouldn't have played that game, but the league loves to just full steam ahead it. All right, let's get back into, I'm sorry, I took a step back there because I'm rusty and forgot to ask you that, but wanted to. Uh Let's talk about this year coming up. Again, we talked about how the Bills are the favorite. Um, they make the playoffs 70% of the time, the Super Bowl 18% and win at 10, which again, that's on the low side for the projections. But that doesn't mean that, lower projected teams don't win the Super Bowl, right? Like, New England one year was as high as I remember seeing, but Philadelphia actually won the Super Bowl, and they were, like, at around 6%. Right. So, I mean,
3: listen, the fact is that almost always the Super Bowl is won by a team whose preseason odds was, like, 5 to 10%, because that's a lot of teams and a lot of good teams. It's, ra- it's rare that teams are up above 10%. Uh, and usually the teams that are in the 1% and 2% area don't make it to the Super Bowl because they're such long shots. So, uh, you know, this year, like I said, things are a little bit more grouped around 500 than usual, but, you know, there still are certain teams that are better and stand out, you know, Buffalo, Tampa Bay, uh, the Chargers, uh, that stand out compared to the rest of the league, and we still expect those to be the best teams.
2: Was there a team and we'll go both ways with this, after you did the projections that you said, oh, I like them more than that, or oh, I like them less than that.
3: Oh, yeah. There's always teams where I disagree with the projections. I feel like we're a little too high on Minnesota. Okay. Um, I think we might be a little too low on Cincinnati, a little too low on Kansas City, uh, maybe a little too low on Indianapolis. I mean, we have the whole AFC South below 500, but um. There are always teams where I personally disagree a little bit, and we run a whole article before the season. Like the the, the week the season opens, we run an article of staff predictions, which are basically we talk about we each talk about the team where we disagree with the with the numbers.
2: Sure. Yeah, I was a little surprised with Cincinnati. I thought coming off the Super Bowl appearance, they'd be a little bit higher than they were. Uh, I mean, they were very mediocre last year. Sure. They, they were got really hot. not great they got hot last year. They yeah. got hot at the end. Yeah, yeah. They're the got hot team, right? Which happens, you know, almost every year. Uh, here's something I want to ask you: Pittsburgh. Is that assuming the first round quarterback, or is it assuming Trubisky, or is it half and half?
3: I think we base it on Trubisky as
2: the starter. Okay. Uh, it wouldn't make
3: much, you know. I no. don't think it makes that much difference which sure. one of them starts. But yeah, I rem- we based it on Trubisky as the starter because it's sort of the assumption is um, if Pickett starts that he's good enough to start, then he's probably as good as we're projecting Trubisky to be.
2: Sure, that makes sense. And I remember when Brady was suspended for the first four games; it barely really affected New England's score. You know what I mean? And, it, and what were they? Right, because it yeah, was only four, only four games, games, and it's, it's you you know you go from I don't know sixty five percent chance of winning
3: a game to forty five percent chance of forty percent chance of winning a game. That's a big difference for each game, but over a four game set, that usually only equals like one less win. Sure. And in fact, they did go three and one over that set.
2: Yes, they did. Yes. Uh the the Saints, you know I'm a Saints guy, so I gotta get a couple questions in here. I was pleasantly surprised with the projections. Um it seems like there's a lot of the pundits are kind of down on them. I know much of the season will kind of depend on what we get out of Jameis and Mike Thomas to that extent, and what happens with Kamara. Like there's three pretty big question marks there, you know. Um, so I understand that. But I also thought The Saints had a great offseason. I thought that Mickey Loomis did a really good job of filling in some gaps, and they cleared the cap space like they always need to do, I thought, pretty effectively. I know Marcus Williams is gone, but to be honest, ever since the Minnesota game, it's hard for me to even look at him. I know that's not fair, but that's just a fan thing. Um, But I was pleased with the projections. What do you think it is about the Saints that your computers liked as much as they did compared to average Pundits. Is it just the defense and the strength of the defense? Yeah, I think it's really
3: heavily the defense. That we have there as the number one projected defense. And look, they keep pushing Cap into the next year, push yeah. Cap into the next year. They are they are really going to pay for it at some point. And in fact, I mean, they're not they don't look like a Super Bowl contender. They look like a wild card contender in part because they lost players like Trevon Armstead and Marcus Williams. But their defense is still really good, and their offense is I mean, we have their offense projected to be average. It easily could be better than that. I mean, if Winston plays the way he played last year in limited time, but he plays that way for a whole year, or and they a little get better. Michael Thomas back healthy, they're a top. that's a top-ten offense if Winston plays like he did last year and Thomas is healthy.
2: Yeah, and I think Winston can play a little bit better than he did in those seven games. I think he was still kind of feeling it out a little bit, still working on the connection with Kamara, you know, not as great at the small short passes as Breeze was and kind of trying to figure out how to use Kamara. Assuming he's there, you know, it hurts to lose Armstead, but he's never on the field anyway. You know what I mean? If we get 10, if you get 10 games out of trying Armstead a year, you're doing well. Um, And I think Ramchak, hopefully he's over his knee thing. I think the offensive line can still be a strength. Ruiz is going to need to get better than he's been, especially to justify the first round pick on him. But I love that, you know, I love the pass rush. I think if Mark Marcus Davenport's coming back from an amputated finger, hopefully that works out. Um, I know there's question marks, but I just I guess I have spent many years down on this team. I'm not that kind of fan who's always up. There's just something about this team I seem to like more than everyone else. I'm not sure what it was, and I think that Matthew and May can be better than um, Jenkins and Williams were last year. I don't know that that's going to be that huge of a loss. Does hurt to lose Armstead? You know, I'm not going to sugarcoat that although I tried to, saying he's hurt a lot, which he is. But I'm not as worried about losing Marcus Williams, maybe, as some people. What do you think? No, they've done a good job of replacing him. I mean, absolutely. Marcus May is a really good player.
3: Um, We think they may have the top secondary in the league, right? I mean, Lattimore is good. Gardner Johnson, Adebo. Mm -hmm. So um, this defense is, people are sleeping on this defense. I don't think they realize how strong it's been the last couple of years.
2: Yeah, I mean, they were one play essentially in the last game of the season. Was it the Rams and the 49ers from making the playoffs despite, you know, losing their quarterback after week seven, despite the fiasco in the Miami game? I thought it was one of Sean Payton's best seasons. That's something we didn't mention. Yeah. You know, they're going to miss Sean Payton. He's the greatest coach in the history of the franchise. You know, but I think D.A. deserves a shot. He's been the leader of that defense. He resurrected it. The Saints were as good as they've been the last five years because D.A. was able to come in and stabilize the defense and and, and help make it great. So I'm excited about him. But, yeah, I was very pleased with uh, with the Almanac and and their outlook on the Saints compared to maybe others.
3: Now, the danger is that Dennis Allen, you know, is going to be spread too thin as head coach. The fact is that he... um, the fact is that, that when he was with the Raiders and he became the head coach, the defense declined when he took over the responsibilities of head coach. So they have to make sure that doesn't happen here.
2: Right. Yep. No, you're right about that. You're right about that. One more thing about the Saints and we'll move on. It was interesting to, to hear you say that one year they're really going to pay for the way to divert the cap. I think that year already came when the, the, the unexpected COVID year and the cap didn't raise and they really had a – Cut a lot of that. There, there's
3: more coming, dude. I don't dude, know. There's I, more coming. I don't know. There's more coming.
2: I, I trust. They Mickey. have
3: pushed a lot of stuff into the. If you look at future guaranteed money right now, I mean they're pretty high. Without a top quarterback, they're number two in getting on in guaranteed money over the next four years to non-quarterbacks, and they don't have a top quarterback to go with that. It's a problem.
2: Yeah, I guess, but as long as you have an owner who's willing to turn that. Money into bonuses, and I don't see why you just couldn't do it every year. You are going to lose a guy you have or to two a year, play. but you
3: have to keep losing. You keep losing guys. You keep losing guys. It's it's a problem.
2: Yeah, yeah, we'll see. I, it's people have been saying that to me for ten years now, so. I'm waiting. Like you can add I'm guys waiting. and you lose guys.
3: Yeah, you you people have been saying for ten years, and the Saints have been very good. They haven't won a Super Bowl,
2: right? Well, <laughs> like they didn't the win, a, they they didn't win a Super Bowl because right. the refs didn't throw the flag. I mean, they got robbed in an, AFC, an NFC Championship But they weren't really, game. they weren't really pushing. They, they didn't.
3: They had more cap room then than they do now. Like the last couple years, they're really up against it. And what that means is, you can. You can fill some holes, but you can't fill all the holes, and you end up with a wild-card team, not a Super Bowl contender.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I, like I said, people have been telling me for 10 years that this strategy is going to backfire. And, and my response was always, look, at as long as you have Drew Brees push and push and push and it's worth it. So I'll stick by that. If the pain comes for a year or two and it's because we pushed and pushed and pushed while we have Drew Brees, I'm okay with that. You know, I think that was the right strategy. Right. You know what I mean? The, this, yeah, well, most teams
3: think that's the right strategy. I mean, Tampa's got a ring because of it, and so did the Rams. So, and, I so mean, do the, yeah, and so did just, the Saints,
2: right? I mean, we got a ring in 2010, and this has been the philosophy all along in the Brees, Loomis, Peyton era. You know what I mean? It's They didn't just start this one year. I mean, this is how they've run the cap since they've been in charge there. So, I mean, I don't know. Like, before Drew Brees came, the Saints won one playoff game ever. You know what I mean? So, if in 2024 and 25 they got to be 6-10 and 10 or something because we had to pay the, pay the piper for the way we managed the cap for two decades, I'm okay with that, you know? All right. Just be okay with it because it's coming. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's switch gears. The crazy thing about the offseason was the wide receiver shuffle, Right. I mean Tyreek Hill just seemingly out of nowhere to me was you know, traded to Miami on the draft day there was the big trades. What do you look at in terms of the off season and the shuffle of the wide receivers? How did the computers like the offenses? I mean, I was surprised to see Kansas City kind of as low on the list as, as they are. Is that maybe a result of, the, of of Hill being gone? Less weapons for Mahomes? Is Juju a number
3: one? They're still the number two projected offense. Right, so, so it's the defense that's dragging
2: them down. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, what about in general the wide receiver shuffle and how that affected the rankings and, and your general thoughts on it?
3: Yeah, I mean, here's the thing that we sort of learned over time, which is uh, it's good to add good players. Sure. But but in general, a team that loses a top wide receiver. Loses more than the team that gains that top wide receiver gains. Okay. So, um, you know, this is better. Uh, sorry, this, it's worse for Kansas City and Green Bay than it is good for Vegas and Miami.
2: Okay. And maybe a good it's example good of that Vegas is Tennessee. Miami. Right? Tennessee getting sorry, rid- what? Tennessee is maybe a good example of that too. Like not keeping A.J. Brown, drafting someone who everyone thinks is like A.J. Brown. You don't have to pay A.J. Brown. Is that right. kind of what you mean?
3: Yeah, I mean, Tennessee, losing A.J. Brown, they have lost more than what Philadelphia gains by gaining A.J. Brown. Okay. It's not always that that's the case. There are exceptions. Stephon Diggs was a good example, right? But in general, you you lose more by losing a top receiver than you gain by adding a top receiver.
2: Okay. Fair enough. Interesting. Interesting. Philadelphia and Dallas group very close together in the NFC East. Philadelphia does make me nervous a little bit, but you guys are believers in Hurts, or is it something else that, I mean, they're the third highest projected team. Well, we're believers in the rest of the
3: team, I think. I
2: I think we don't think
3: that Hurts sucks, and they've added a lot of talent. AJ Brown and Hassan Reddick, and getting Brandon Graham back from injury and adding James Bradbury, and there's a lot of good talent in Philadelphia. Plus, they have the easiest projected schedule in the league.
2: That's always nice to have the not a first place schedule and to have an easy schedule is always nice. All right, let we we touched on the bills earlier. Uh, the I live here. People here are outrageously excited. Um, they think that they're going to go to the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl. That's the opinion on nine out of ten uh, Bills fans will tell you that. Um, there's flags everywhere. there's tables broken in the streets. I mean, it's hysteria like I can't remember here. And I lived through the fourth Super Bowl, you know, the Kelly and and uh, Marv Levy era. Uh, obviously, you guys are high on them. They're the 10.4 percent to win the Super Bowl more than any everyone. But I'm curious, what worries you about the Bills? Like in the 90 percent of simulations when they don't win it, what went wrong?
3: I mean, they lost a random game in the playoffs because sometimes you lose games to teams that are almost as good as you are. That's one thing. Okay. Uh, injuries, right? Obviously, there's a chance sure. they'll be hit by a lot of injuries. Um, I don't think their depth is good in the secondary. Um, they really are depending on Kair Elam, and it's tough to depend on a rookie corner. But they have depth at almost every other position, and they're strong at every position. They're just a really good all-around team. You know, there's a lot of variation in an NFL season to have variation in expectations. That's, you know, how they lose, right? Because the best team, the team that looks the best isn't always the best, and the team that's the best doesn't always win, but they win more often than anybody else.
2: What makes me nervous is they never run it, really, unless the quarterback's running it, and I just get so nervous. I know he's a bull, and he's a big dude, and he can handle it, but... Man, he takes, he takes a lot of hits, Josh Allen. You know what I mean? That just makes me nervous. Yeah,
3: I mean, you know, most, most teams can't survive losing their starting quarterback, and the Bills are no exception.
2: Right, right. Is there is there a number that you guys think of where a team could be without the starting quarterback? Like, we talked a little bit about Brady and being out the four games and how that – is that about the limit? Is it six games? When, when does – you know, like if quarterback – hurts his knee in week two, he's going to be out three, four weeks. You you kind of figure you can kind of weather that. Is there a number where it's a tipping point? Depends on who the backup
3: is. Usually you don't want to lose your starting quarterback for more than two or three games. I mean, look, the the more games you lose your starting quarterback, the more games you're likely to lose, right? Nope. There's really no tipping point amount of games that you can lose your starting quarterback. You want your starting quarterback
2: for as many games as as you can play. Right. What about the defending champs, the Rams? What do you guys like or dislike about them this year? They're at about they lost, 6% to win it.
3: Lost a little bit of talent in the off season. They've got a tough schedule. Um, I think that there's questions about the cornerbacks that are not Jalen Ramsey. I think there's questions at edge rusher opposite of Leonard Floyd. Uh, you know, Andy uh, Aaron Donald and, uh, answers a lot of those questions because he's so good, but you still would like to have two good edge rushers, and they don't um alan robinson was really bad in chicago last year it's not a question of having a bad quarterback like he was really bad sure and so there's a bit of a question about you know it, it, was it just that he didn't care like you know chicago he is so tired of it that he just didn't care anymore or has he really lost a step so there's definitely questions about the rams but th- they look like one of the top teams in the league
2: The sports SportsCats are here with Aaron Schatz from Football Outsiders. The Football Outsiders Almanac has been released. It's the best preseason stack of information you can find out there. I recommend it to everyone. We'll let Aaron plug it in a minute where you can get it and all that. A couple quick things before I let you go. What are you interested in in training camps this year? Is there a certain position battle that you're monitoring? Is there a certain thing that will interest you this summer?
3: I mean, it's always interesting to see the position battles. You know, I'm cognizant of what's going on, certainly for fantasy purposes, you know, uh, how much James Robinson are we going to see compared to Travis Etienne or how much of a committee are they going to be using in Vegas versus using more of Josh Jacobs and waiting to see whether Alvin Kamara gets suspended or not. But, um, (laughs) (laughs) you know, I'm not. The quarterback battles this year are not that exciting. Drew Locke versus Geno Smith, like, who, who, who cares? Pitt, Pittsburgh's Juan Trubisky versus Pickett is not really as that exciting. Um, you know, and I don't tend to overreact to how well players are playing in camp. I just look, remember last year and the reports about Jamar Chase and people saying that he was having problems and that, you know— Maybe taking a year off was bad for him. And then the regular season started and there was no problem at all. So, um, you know, I think uh, how how guys are doing during camp tends to be overblown. G- guys are working on specific things. And, um, you know, they don't mind looking bad if they can work on something that will help them look better once the actual games count.
2: There's a section in the Almanac I was interested in. I was reading through the Football Outsiders Rookie projection section. Seemed really interesting. I was looking through some of that. Who who are some of the rookies you're really excited to watch this year?
3: Well, we're, we like Traylon Burks, except for the uh, you know this asthma business. Sure. Um, B- Brees Hall is our top running back. Um, in, love the edge rushers. Really good edge rushers this year. Trevon Walker actually came out number one in our projections because historically the combine performance is actually a little bit more important for edge rushers than their collegiate performance, but. Uh, Aiden Hutchinson and Kevin Thibodeau came out really high too, and, and we just like all of the edge rushers. And there's great receivers too: Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Jamison Williams, once he's healthy. Um,
2: Drake London. It, it's a
3: good year for rookies. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Really stacked year for especially. We're like, not
3: as high on Drake London as some of these other guys, but he's going to certainly get plenty of opportunity in Atlanta.
2: Right, opportunity for sure. And I think he was, I think he was just ahead of Garrett Wilson in the playmaker rating for them. no
3: he's only ahead of him because we listed them in order by what pick they were
2: <laughs> oh okay all right i
3: got you Garrett, Garrett oh Wilson i see is, it Garrett okay Wilson is number one in rating. Uh,
2: Yep, i see it 97.3 versus 63 for five so much much different there all right uh the football outsiders almanac again i mean you got top 50 ncaa projections so there's college football in there it's not just pro i know we focused on pro today. Uh, but there's that, there's Team by Team, um, great writers, Mark uh, Mike Tannier is one of them, lots of, and he's like a staff writer now, correct?
3: Yeah, Mike is one of our full-timers now, uh, Brian Knowles, Vince Verhey, Scott Spratt, Derek Classen, lots of good writers, a couple new guys this year.
2: Yeah, I mean, the work that goes into this is just incredible. You can spend the whole month of August and not run out of stuff to read, Team by Team Breakdowns um position breakdowns i said college football um there's fantasy stuff in there it's really an unbelievable effort every year that for this thing to come out um the football outsiders almanac 2022 the essential guide to the 2022 nfl and college football seasons why don't you plug everything let everyone know where to go premium services all that let everybody know where to uh get in the football outsiders world
3: Well, if you want the big physical copy of the book, you go to Amazon and you can look for Football Outsiders Almanac 2022. We also have an online version where you can read the chapters online as articles or download the whole thing as a PDF. In order to get that, you need to be an FO Plus subscriber. That's our premium service. So go to footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe. But you will notice that you can get it either monthly or annually and that there is a sale right now that is 20% off all of your subscriptions until the end of the month. So that gets you the book as well as our Kubiak fantasy football draft tool and our in-season weekly projections and our in-season picks against the spread and all of our fantasy uh, research tools and all of the DVOA historical database Going all the way back to 1981. So check Ooh. that out. Footballouts.com slash
2: subscribe. Back to 81 now. I think it was 85 last year, wasn't it? Or 84? You... Uh, it was 83
3: last year, okay. and now it's 81.
2: Wow. You're going to be into the 60s before we know it. Unbelievable. All right, Aaron, thank you so much for the time and the generosity and the kindness you always show me. I appreciate it. Uh, anything else you want to mention? Twitter or anything like that?
3: Twitter is uh, F-O underscore A F. C-H-A-T-Z, or FB Outsiders. And also, we do live streams, Football Outsiders. Check out for a search for Football Outsiders on YouTube. We do live streams over YouTube Live and Twitch. Uh, Usually, they are Tuesday and Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern. Oh, that's fun. Uh, And then once we get into the season, there'll be even more live streams. So check out our YouTube channel by searching for Football Outsiders on YouTube and uh, check out our live streams and we also do them as podcasts if you search for the football outsiders podcast network you can listen to our stuff after the fact it's podcast
2: awesome and listen i will do my best here in buffalo to tell these bills fans to give you a break you know what i mean i mean you you like you 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 like josh allen better than you like matt ryan right didn't you tell me that last year so come on uh i think that both
3: of them were really low in our quarterback (laughs) projections and it's like you know, I mean, we said something like you know two or three percent chance of being elite. Yeah, so he hit the two percent. You know, if there's, a hundred, yeah. if there's a hundred, if there are a hundred guys who come out with that chance of being elite, two uh, or three percent, two or three of them are actually going to have it happen, and it just so happens that the two guys who made it work. We're Matt Ryan and uh, Josh Allen. There you go. So leave the guy alone.
2: You know what I mean? Just enjoy your great team. You know what? There's,
3: there's, so, there's been something like 120 quarterbacks with projections that low, and only two of them have been that good, and those two are the guys.
2: Well, there you go. So he's right on. Again, the, a math genius. He told you, two, two guys, and there's two guys. Thanks, Aaron. I appreciate you.
3: All right. Thanks for having me.
2: All right, I want to thank Aaron Schatz, Andrew Marchand, and John Oran for being on the podcast today. Don't forget, you can listen to this episode and all episodes of the Sportscasters podcast on our SoundCloud page at soundcloud.com slash sports casters. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at sports underscore casters if you'd like to email me, the sportscasters at gmail.com. I want to thank some of the listeners who took the time out to email me while I was gone, Fred Cass, Ian Ross. Uh, several others, I want to thank you for checking in on me. It's really appreciated and it uh, keeps me up, keeps me happy. Thank you for doing that. Don't forget to check out Colorado Hockey Now, the champions of the world, the Colorado Avalanche. My good friend on Twitter, at a Check him and his uh, his business out. What's going to happen with Kadri? Uh, find out at coloradohockeynow.com. Also, greetings from Allentown. At GF Allentown pod, Keithy and Peter uh, every week, of course, doing the Greetings from Allentown Live podcast. They're going through 1992 right now, I believe. Uh, always a good listen. And also the Place to Be Nation at Place, the number two, bnation.com. Uh, don't forget to check them out. I'm going to be on in August on the uh, on the flag- flagship show. Also, the 24 Inch podcast will be back soon. Uh, Dave Rollins and I, we may do one this week on Vince McMahon i uh, not exactly sure what Dave. Dave's kind of switching jobs right now. Once Dave gets settled, uh, we will um, be back on the 24-inch podcast as well. Next week, don't forget, we're going to have Sean McDonough and Scott Morrison on the show. And, of course, the sweet Paula Bennett who wants to chime in one more time. What's up, baby? What did I, I forget? Uh, you forgot
1: to talk, say that I was on the podcast
2: Yes, Paula was on the podcast today. She did a great job, even though she's missing a tooth. Right? Yes. Okay. All right, you nut. All right, one last thing for the podcast today, and it's where the hell have you been, right? Well, always I uh, do my last show in December and take a break over Christmas and New Year's and usually start the new season sometime in January and I had recorded an interview with Richard Deitch who was going to be on the first episode of the season recorded the interview and was going to record another one I can't remember with whom Grant Wall I believe and never got to it and I wasn't feeling great interview didn't go up January 28th I picked up my dog from a haircut around noon And didn't feel well. And told my wife I was going to lay down. And I slept for most of the day. And uh, then I woke up and uh, was not not feeling well. And um, uh, then I was really not feeling well. And then I got to the point where I felt like I had to call the ambulance. Uh, The ambulance came over the middle of the night and took me to the hospital. And I was kind of hyperventilating. And I was really sick with Crohn's. My belly was really extended. Definitely knew something was wrong. And everything happened really fast at the hospital. A nurse who was just coming onto the floor walked by me, said something to the triage nurse, and took me right back. And before I knew it, I had an NG tube in. And when they put the NG tube in, the poison that came out filled the bucket so quickly, everyone who was in the room went, oh, they couldn't believe it. And um, I was blocked. And I was admitted and I saw my surgeon, the great Timothy Adams, the next day. And he said, let's kind of wait it out. Let's give you some steroids. Let's see if we can unblock you without surgery, which I said, fine. I knew we wouldn't and we didn't. And on February 7th, I had my fourth bowel reconstruction. Now going into it, Dr. Adams said that he would not be putting a bag. Uh, He put a temporary ileostomy last time, but that's because I was on steroids At the time of the surgery, I was not on steroids this time, so the thought was is that I would avoid the bag. Uh, I woke up after the surgery, always longer than it should be, six, seven hours of surgery, and woke up to find a bag. And I cried. (laughs) And when I seen Dr. Adams in the room, he said it was just too much disease. He had to put it in, and it was really bad in there, and he took a, a large piece 17 centimeters or so of my colon and i was recovering and then one night in the hospital i fell out of the bed i woke up in the middle of the night and thought i, ha- I needed to get up and when i was trying to get my legs out from under me they didn't make it and i, I kind of tumbled over it's not funny and i fell out of the bed and i could have been hurt really seriously And uh, they did some tests and discovered I needed blood transfusions. So I had three blood transfusions in the hospital. Finally came home. Finally came home. And uh, within a week or so of being home, uh, I was back in the hospital with an infection. And it was a really nasty infection. I was septic. And uh, I was in there for three weeks. And every time it seemed like I was close to getting home, There'd be some kind of setback and I fought the infection for three weeks and then I came back home and the antibiotics that I was on were really rough and I was always nauseous. I never felt great. Then finally the antibiotics ended and I was able to start to feel a little bit better but I had not only the ileostomy but I also had a JP drain and having both of those things was a real anchor and I couldn't do much. I didn't ever feel comfortable from being away from the house. The ileostomy was really leaky. It always needed to be changed. It was just, it was really miserable. I had it for 130 days. Um, we lost time with my infection, but then we also lost time because my doctor uh, got sick with cancer uh, and he was out for 30 days. So it was a really tough run of time there. Um, and then finally, Uh, On June 17th, I had the reversal surgery, which he thought would last a couple of hours. It lasted seven. Um, The bag was reversed and taken out, thank God. Uh, I had a JP drain put in. Um, That eventually just kind of fell out on his own, which was weird. Uh, But the surgery was tough. It was, like I said, seven hours. It was long. It was difficult. Uh, But I fought back. And, um, You know, it was a long seven months. Um, You know, when people ask for advice, I don't know if they ask me much, but maybe they do. I always say make sure you find a partner to walk this earth with that cares about you and is in it with you through thick and thin. And Tammy certainly was that. Through sickness and in health, she was definitely there with me for the sickness. Took great care of me. Paula took great care of me, my mini nurse. Always checking my bandages and helping me with my pills and taking care of me. And my visiting nurse, Nurse Beth, she was fantastic. Dr. Adams, all the nurses at Buffalo General Hospital. Uh, Delauded. I want to thank Delauded for being a fantastic painkiller. I don't know what I would have done without you. Uh, But it was a rough time. I can handle it. It's nothing I can't handle, um, just individually. You know, you throw this stuff at me and I roll with the punches and I know other people have it worse and I never feel too down or too sorry for myself and I just keep battling and it's fine. But it's hard when you see the effect it has on your family, you know, because they, you know, they didn't necessarily sign up for that per se. You know, like my six-year-old daughter, you know, wants dad at her birthday party, but I couldn't be there because I had surgery the day before. You know, she wants to take a walk in the park, but I got to lay down. You know, Tammy wants to sleep in her bed, but she's given that up so that I could have the whole bed and have room. And so she doesn't have to worry about sleeping in debris if the bag rips or whatever. And that's hard. It's hard to, it's hard to have any confidence or to believe in yourself or to be positive when you you see the effect that what's going on is having on your family. It's difficult. And that's the hardest part of everything, really, is just dealing with that. Um, but we, we're, we're a close family, a strong family. We stayed in it together and we got through it. And here I am on the other side of it, hopefully. Uh, I feel really well. I'm, I'm getting much better. I'm doing more. Um, there is a, a tendency uh, to say, okay, uh, the bag is gone, so I'm okay. Just go do whatever you want, but it's it's not that simple. I had you know seven hours of surgery, and it's essentially another bowel reconstruction. Uh, but I'm doing better. Uh, the podcast is back to stay. Like I said I got a lot of interviews scheduled, a lot of stuff I'm looking forward to. I want to thank everyone who's stuck with me, uh, everyone who's hearing this. I appreciate you. Uh, I still love to do this show, and I'm going to do it as long as I can and whenever I can. I want to thank my brother, Greg, uh, who was there for me in the hospital, Um, came and brought me some drinks. My dad, my mom, you know, my whole family, everyone who's been there for me. Fred Cass, like I said, Ian Ross, all my listeners. I appreciate everyone so much. I can't wait uh, to do more.